Welcome to Leonard Birdsong Radio on TalkZone.com. Your host, Leonard Birdsong, is a law professor, a former diplomat, and a former federal prosecutor who's here to inform and entertain you with a mix of humor, opinion, and information. Now, here's Leonard Birdsong. Yes, every Bob, it is Leonard Birdsong on Leonard Birdsong Radio right here on Talk Zone. So happy to be with you. Got a good show for you today. We will uh, talk about some dumb criminal stories, and we are going to talk about, I'm going to talk about a few inventions that helped the economy of the world. There will be some words of wisdom about Labor Day, which is coming up on Monday. Got some news tidbits and some riddles. Today is the 31st day of August and the last day of August. Tomorrow will be September the 1st. Summer is coming to an end. At any rate, uh, I have things for you, but the first thing I want to do, even before I get to my dumb criminal law stories, is give a shout out to those poor people down in Texas and Louisiana where this Hurricane Harvey has struck. There have been some awful scenes of people being taken from their homes. People have died. Some of the statistics I've seen, that 37 people have died since the hurricane hit, I guess, on Friday of last week. Financial costs estimated to be $160 billion. In Texas, Mount Bellevue gotten 51.8 inches of rain, 51.8 inches of rain, and uh, the weather people say the amount of water that's fallen from the sky has been 24.5 trillion gallons, trillions, not billions, trillion gallons. About 30 to 40,000 homes in Houston alone have been destroyed. Those seeking federal assistance, 210,000 people. There have been arrests made for looting, about 40 of them, and uh, I hope the, I hope there won't be any more looting, and I hope no one else loses their life. I send my condolences to those who have passed in the hurricane. Having lived in the Caribbean and in Florida, I've gone through many hurricanes in my life, and I'm glad I'm still here with you. Well, okay, my thoughts and wishes and condolences go out to those living down in Texas and Louisiana, hit by Hurricane Harvey. Let's do something a little more humorous now. Let's talk about some dumb criminal law stories. You know, I work on these stories pretty much every weekend. I scour newspapers and and uh, the Associated Press to come up with stories that I can edit and use. But this week, I'm just going to go back into my archives, and I'm going to tell some stories from 2015. They're still funny, and they're still all true. Let's start. The first story comes from Georgia. The headline on this one read, quote, What a panty waste, end quote. A woman stole 785 pairs of sexy underwear at a Victoria's Secret on Valentine's Day at an Atlanta mall. The bandit stuffed $10,000 worth of garments into three shopping bags and bolted from the store. She was seen on video wearing a red hat and tennis shoes, appropriate for Valentine's Day. She's never been caught, according to my information. Here's a story from Alabama. Headline, he told the tooth, 
the whole tooth and nothing but the tooth. A truck driver claims he crashed his truck because he was trying to pull out a loose tooth while driving. He was ticketed by police. However, the self-employed driver presented the tooth to prove to police that the tooth was to blame. No one was injured, but there's no word on whether the police quashed the ticket. <laughs> the tooth, the whole tooth, and nothing but the tooth. <laughs> All right. This next story from Arkansas. Girdle up. State officials took over administrative operations at the Little Rock School District in February of 2015. This is after the state enforced an unpopular dress code for staff, which mandated that teachers wear underwear and bras to school every day and banned spandex. All right. That's not that funny. Okay, okay, we got a story here now from North Carolina. The question, would this have been a serial killing if he had died? Would this have been a serial killing if he had died? A woman mistakenly shot her Fort Bragg soldier husband, believing he was an intruder after he returned home with a surprise breakfast for her. Zia S. accidentally set off the house alarm when he entered, waking his wife Tiffany, who then grabbed a shotgun and fired through the bedroom door. Now, he was not seriously hurt. No charges were brought against Tiffany. But could this be a serial killing, bringing in breakfast for her, and she fires the gun? <laughs> All right, here's a story from... South Carolina. Headline, Gods and Space Aliens? Oh, come on. A man and woman broke into Carowinds Theme Park in Fort Mill, South Carolina, after it had closed. Fran Gee and Jay Lake claimed that God and space aliens urged them to break in, police say. They were charged with trespassing and child neglect when police found an eight-year-old boy alone in their truck. Hmm, boy. All right, what else? Here's one from Louisiana. Headline, Big Stink. It's been reported that police in New Orleans are trying to sniff out a bad guy. He's a thief that stole 30 air fresheners from a family dollar store worth more than $200. Now, it's obvious that the police would make a big stink over this case because there's a reward of $2,500 for information leading to the thief's arrest. Big stink. <laughs> All right. All right. A Kentucky story, and this is apropos for Kentucky. Authorities stumbled on some backyard bourbon. However, this was fine liquor and not homemade moonshine. Franklin County Sheriff's deputies found five barrels of bourbon stolen from the Wild Turkey Distillery. The suspect hid the spirits worth about $3,700 per barrel in his backyard, deputies said. <laughs> Kentucky bourbon, can't beat it. Now here's one, another one from Kentucky. The headline, yes, police threw the book at him. A candidate for Kentucky lieutenant governor 
was arrested for failing to turn in a library book more than a decade old. Jonathan Masters, who's 33, was driving to a TV interview when police pulled him over for having expired tags. The officer ran his name through the computer and found he had a warrant out for, quote, theft by failure to make required disposition of property 11 years ago. That is keeping a book from the library. My, my, my. Mm, mm, mm. All right. Well, these stories never stop. I've got some more for you. Some of them are funny. Some of them are sad. But that's what dumb criminal news is about. Here's a story from Indiana. You may have remembered this one in the news from 2015. The headline read, A Possibly Explosive Washroom? In March 2015, a restroom at a Walmart in Muncie, Indiana, was closed indefinitely after an employee discovered a working meth lab inside. The Walmart employee alerted police after seeing a suspicious man enter the restroom with a backpack and leave without it. Police say people are leaving, quote, the deadly explosive chemical in public places, and they are risking the risk of explosions. My gosh. All right. Here's a story from Wisconsin. We smell a drinking problem, says the headline. A drunken driver claimed the reason police smelled alcohol in his breath was because he had just finished eating beer-battered fish. <laughs> police found that John P., 75, had been driving around with an open can of Red Dog beer in his truck. Police reported Mr. P. had nine previous DUI convictions and failed yet another sobriety test when they tested him this time. Yes, we smell a drinking problem. <laughs> but he says he was he just finished eating beer battered fish. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> All right, I I've got a few more here that I think you might like. Have you ever heard of poopsenders.com? I hadn't. But um there's a story from 2015 where a woman experiencing bad blood between her and her neighbors was facing a stint in jail after mailing them a box of cow dung. We learned that Kim Cape, who was 41, used poopsenders.com to anonymously mail the dung to the neighboring couple after they repeatedly complained to police about her dog's barking. After all the problems we had, I thought it would be a funny thing to do, said Cape. To authorities, I don't think the neighbors thought it was very funny. <laughs> Poopsenders.com. My, my, my. <laughs> All right. Let's go to Ohio. There's no headline, but I guess I would say he will probably keep robbing this bank until he gets it right. A man allegedly robbed a bank that he had previously robbed back in 1999. His name is Larry Hewitt. He was 47. He did more than five years behind bars for the robbery at the Ohio Savings Bank branch in Richmond Heights, Ohio. Now he's been indicted for hitting the same back bank back in November 2014, where he stole $6,240, according to the police, po police report, and he's going back to the... The slammer, going back to the slammer. 
When he gets out, he'll probably try to rob the bank again until he gets it right. All right. Minnesota. The headline, the headline read on this one, this crime was a jug of bull. This crime was a jug of bull. A bandit stole $70,000 worth of bull semen from a farm in Leroy, Minnesota. It appears that a storage unit in the farm's milking parlor was left unlocked, allowing the still-at-large thief to swipe the valuable material. Perhaps it was an inside job. $70,000 worth of bull semen. That's a lot of semen, boy. All right. Maybe one more. Maybe one more. Let's see what I have here. Wyoming. Why, says the headline. Police report that a man and woman recently stole more than $9,000 worth of women's undergarments from a department store. The shoplifters made off with over 1,000 pair of panties from J.C. Penney from the J.C. Penney store in Cheyenne, Wyoming. My question, did they plan to open their own store? All right. I hope you enjoyed some of these archives stories about dumb criminals. I'm Leonard Birdsong. This is Talk Zone. I'm here with you on Thursdays at one to two from one to two p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We're going to come back after this pause for the cause, and I'm going to talk about some inventions that have shaped our modern economy. These are probably things you don't know. Stick with me. This is Leonard Birdsong on Talk Zone. Consumer Debt Counselors is the company that will help you get out of debt. Consumer Debt Counselors is a licensed, accredited nonprofit agency that specializes in educating people about credit and debt and helping people resolve issues with debt, even student loan debt. There are so many federal regulations. Most people have more options than they realize, and Consumer Debt Counselors can uncover all of your eligible solutions, including lowering your payment or getting out of default. If you want a partner that will work with you to achieve financial success, talk to the team at Consumer Debt Counselors. They have an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating, so these guys are the real deal. Your first consultation is free, and all sessions are kept confidential. Give them a call at 1-800-820-9232 or go to ConsumerDebtCounselors.org slash birdsong. The number again is 800-820-9232. Although he's been involved in serious criminal law work over the years as a prosecutor, a defense attorney, and a law professor, Leonard Birdsong knows that it's good to stay grounded. That means not always taking criminal law so seriously and instead just having a good laugh at some dumb criminals and their dumber crimes. Several years ago, he began to collect and compile weird and funny criminal law stories. He shares some of them weekly on his Talk Zone Internet radio program. And now you can read more 
more of them yourself in one of his 14 humor books. He has two book series, Professor Birdsong's Dumbest Criminal Law Stories and Professor Birdsong's Weird Criminal Law Stories. They're available for purchase in either paperback or Kindle edition by going to the author link on the homepage at leonardbirdsong.com. Leonard knows that you'll get a few good laughs or at least a few chuckles from his collections of dumb and weird criminal law stories. Check them out for yourself by going to the author link at leonardbirdsong.com. Welcome back to Leonard Birdsong Radio on TalkZone.com. Yes, yes, sirree. Yes, sirree. Yes, sirree. It's Leonard Birdsong back with you on TalkZone. I'm broadcasting from the studios of TalkZone in Orlando, Florida. Lovely day here in Orlando. I am... You know, I come across things that I think I like to share with people. That's why I like to be on the radio. There's a new book out by a fellow who's an economist and a journalist. His name is Tim Harford. He's written a book called 50 Inventions That Shaped the Modern Economy. And uh, actually, it just came out two days ago. It's got some interesting stories, some things you don't know. Here's the first story that I didn't know. It's about paper money. When Venetian merchant Marco Polo made his groundbreaking visit to China 750 years ago, the most exciting of the many innovations the explorer saw there was paper money, currency that was representative of riches as opposed to the riches themselves. The bills from the bark of mulberry trees, or were made from the bark of mulberry trees, had been in circulation for 300 years in China, when Polo brought the concept to Europe. And then the concept of paper money finally came over to the United States. Here's another one that Harford talks about. Leaded gasoline. When Thomas Midgley, an inventor of leaded gasoline, initially demonstrated it to the media in the 1920s, he uh, did so by washing his hands with, unle- with leaded gasoline to demonstrate its safety. Now, he neglected to mention that he had just spent several months recovering from lead poisoning. <laughs> the U.S. government bent over backwards to convince the country that leaded gasoline was safe. Despite all evidence to the contrary, Americans pumped it into their cars for almost 50 years before the Clean Air Act of 1970 marked the beginning of the end for leaded gasoline. But now, Mr. Harford says, here's the shocker. Several decades after the enactment of the Clean Air Act, an economist by the name of Jessica Reyes, Reyes, I'm sorry, noticed that rates of violent crimes were starting to go down. Noting the effect of lead on children's brains, this led to studies that correlated the removal of lead from society with a decrease in crime. Reyes concluded that nationally over half the drop in crime, 56%, was because of cars switching to unleaded gas. When Reyes later studied the cost of switching the nation's cars to unleaded fuel, she found that it came to about 20 times less than the cost of all crime. Hmm. Unleaded gas and a decline in the crime rate. 
What about TV dinners? We've all eaten one at some time in our lives. In 1965, the American, I'm sorry, in 1965, the average American woman spent four hours a day in household chores, including cooking and cleaning. Today, that number is down to 45 minutes. While still more than American men, who average only 15 minutes a day of these tasks, this drastic reduction is at least partially due to the invention of TV dinners, says Tim Harford, the writer of the book, 50 Inventions That uh, Shaped Our Modern Economy. The... The TV dinner was introduced in 1954 in the United States and was invented by a bacteriologist named Betty Cronin, an employee of the Swanson Food Processing Company, who was looking for ways to keep busy after the business of supplying rations to the U.S. troops dried up after World War II. Freed from the time and responsibility of spending two to three hours a day preparing meals, American women entered the workforce in far greater numbers, secure in the knowledge that they would have food on the table come supper time. While sale of frozen dinners have fallen in recent years, you can see the evolutionary impact in other ready-to-eat meals, including meal kits. The industrialization of food, symbolized by the TV dinner, freed women from hours of domestic chores, removing a large obstacle to their adopting serious professional careers, says Hartford in his book. You might want to pick it up. What about infant formula? Most of us who have had children have bought instant, an infant, instant infant formula. Harford talks about that. In documenting the earth-shattering importance of baby formula, he writes, two depressing facts about American life in the 1800s come to the fore. Before modern medicine, about one in 100 childbirths killed a mother. Also, during the 1800s, only two in three babies who weren't breastfed lived to see their first birthday. Add to this that some women cannot breastfeed, and you can see the life itself was tenuous for newborns whose mothers could not breastfeed them. The invention of infant formula by a German chemist by the name of Justus von Liebig in 1865 changed much of this, giving more babies a chance at a full life even if their mother couldn't breastfeed or worse, didn't survive the birth. These are things I didn't know, and they are interesting. I hope you're finding them that way. Let me say that here's one that I certainly didn't know about, barbed wire. There's a story about barbed wire that says the man named John Warren Gates building a wire fence in San Antonio, Texas in 1876 bet locals that his fence could hold back some of the toughest and wildest longhorn steers in all of Texas. Now, Gates reportedly won the bet, but gambling wins weren't his true aim. He was promoting the new fence. Before the invention of barbed wire was patented by an Illinois businessman, J.F. Glidden, in 1874, the American West was a free-for-all, with no clear boundaries on property to hold off intruders or wild cattle. 
President Lincoln's 1862 signing of the Homestead Act, which allowed Americans to claim up to 160 acres of land if they worked it for five years, promoted the concept of privately owned property. But until barbed wire, there was no way to enforce their land or their land claim. There wasn't enough wood to keep out trespassers or those who would try to claim the land out from under other settlers, and other sorts of wire fences were destroyed by cattle. Barbed wire gave private ownership of property a defining characteristic that our nation really needed. This is an interesting book. I'm going to buy the whole thing and read it all. I don't have time to read all of the 50 inventions than just giving you an idea of what's in it. What about Google search? Most of us do Google searches. Harford writes, in just two decades, Google has become so ubiquitous that researchers at the, U- uh, uh, the, universe, the United Kingdom's University of Lancaster found that the same or the name verb itself pops up in conversation more frequently than the word death. The access Google provides to information has changed the world and the economy in many ways. The introduction of pay-per-click advertising in 2001, Harford writes, marked the beginning of the decline of newspaper and revenue, or I'm sorry, newspaper ad revenue, and an overall change to the nature of media. But according to a study by the McKinsey consulting firm, Google search has had numerous positive effects on the economy. For one thing, it makes finding new information at least three times faster than using sources of old, not counting travel time to and from a library. It's also led to greater price transparency, meaning that being able to Google a price while in the store leads to a more level financial playing field. Interesting inventions that have helped our economy. The book is written by Tim Harford. It's called 50 Inventions That Shaped the Modern Economy. It's put out by Riverhead Press. It came out two days ago on August 29th, 2017. All right. This is Leonard Birdsong. I'm here with you on Talk Zone. You heard some of my dumb criminal law stories before I talked about the inventions. If you want to read more, you can read some for free. Go to my blog, www.birdsongslaw.com, birdsongslaw.com, all one word. You'll find my stories there. They go back uh, several years. They're funny. Some of them have gone into my humor books, but uh, you can get a free read. If you want to buy some of my books, you're welcome to. You can go to Amazon.com or you can go to my webpage, LeonardBirdsong.com. You'll get a laugh or two or maybe even more with the dumb criminal stories. Now, I've got more for you, but I'm going to take a break right now. I want you to stay with me. I've uh, enjoyed being here with you, and I hope maybe you've learned a few things and had a few laughs. I've got some words of wisdom and some news tidbits and some riddles for you in the second part of the show. This is Leonard Birdsong. See you soon. Consumer Debt Counselors is the company that will help you get out of debt. 
Consumer Debt Counselors is a licensed, accredited nonprofit agency that specializes in educating people about credit and debt and helping people resolve issues with debt, even student loan debt. There are so many federal regulations. Most people have more options than they realize, and Consumer Debt Counselors can uncover all of your eligible solutions, including lowering your payment or getting out of default. If you want a partner that will work with you to achieve financial success, talk to the team at Consumer Debt Counselors. They have an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating, so these guys are the real deal. Your first consultation is free, and all sessions are kept confidential. Give them a call at 1-800-820-9232 or go to ConsumerDebtCounselors.org slash Birdsong. The number again is 800-820-9232. Now back to Professor Birdsong for more Leonard Birdsong Radio on TalkZone.com. Yes, thanks for sticking with me. This is Leonard Birdsong. I'm back here after our little break there. Pause for the cause is what I call it. And um, this is Labor Day weekend coming up. Labor Day will be on Monday. And that'll be the, um, what is it? It's going to be the 4th of uh, September. Bill Davidson, a colleague that I talk about, sends me words of wisdom and things that I can talk to you about on the radio. He sent me one recently about Labor Day. Maybe you know some of these facts, maybe you don't. Labor Day was first created by the labor movement in the 19th century and was marked by cities and towns becoming, or before becoming, a federal holiday in 1894. The day came about as massive changes were underway in American manufacturing. During the Industrial Revolution of the late 1800s, there were few restrictions on the treatment of workers and many people who worked 12 hours a day and seven days a week. Children, some as young as five, worked in factories and no one was guaranteed a minimum wage. Working conditions were often unsafe and there was no recourse for employees. It was during this time that labor unions grew in prominence. The unions organized strikes and rallies to protest poor working conditions and pay. And on September 5th, 1882, 10,000 workers in New York City took time off without pay to participate in what what's believed to be the first Labor Day parade in U.S. history. The idea of celebrating American labor spread and states began passing legislation for similar holidays. Then, on May 11th, 1894... Employees of the Pullman Palace Car Company in Chicago went on strike and union officials called for a boycott of the railway cars. Federal employees, or sorry, federal officials dispatched troops to Chicago where the two groups clashed and more than a dozen workers were killed. In the wake of the massacre, Congress passed an act making the first Monday in September of each year Labor Day. It was first a legal holiday in the District of Columbia and the territories of the United States. It was approved on June 28, 1894, for all states. Most federal and city and county offices are closed on Labor Day. 
Now, Labor Day should represent to each of us just how truly we are with the careers we each have. Just like the freedom we still enjoy each day, others before us made great sacrifices so we can complain about our jobs today. Yes, I sometimes complain about my job. No matter the frustrations we face or how hard we feel we have it, we should all remember that if it was not for those individuals that came before us, the careers we all have would simply be nothing more than just a job. Labor Day. I'm going to enjoy my Labor Day. I hope you folks do, too. All right, there are more words of wisdom I want to share from Bill Davidson. Here's one he sent me. How you see is what you get. How you see is what you get. You're probably familiar with Murphy's Law. If anything can happen, if anything bad can happen, it will, and at the worst possible time. And then there's Peter's principle, which says people always rise to the level of their incompetence. A similar saying is the law of human behavior. Sooner or later, we get just what we expect. In the law of human behavior, or is the law of human behavior optimistic or pessimistic? Stop and think about your answer. Just stop and think about your answer. I say that because your response reveals your attitude. If you expect the worst out of life, then you probably said the law was written by a pessimist. If you have a positive outlook, then you probably answered optimistic because the prospect of getting what you expect is encouraging to you. Your attitude determines your outlook. Let's face it. Not everyone is naturally optimistic. Some people are born seeing the glass half empty rather than half full. But no matter what your national, your natural instinct is, you can become a more optimistic person. How do you cultivate optimism? By learning the secret of contentment. If you can learn from that, then no matter what happens to you, you can weather the storm and build on the good you find in any situation. The truth is that possessing healthy contentment is essential to being able to withstand failure. Even when things in life seem to be at their very darkest, when everything seems to crack and begin to fall apart, there's always something good to be found in every situation. You see, even when your world feels like it's cracking up, those cracks will always let in some light from the outside. The light will always show you the way through it. Just like they say, every cloud has a silver lining. Bill Davidson ends with, how is your attitude affecting your success? Think about it. All right. I have one more that I want to share with you. At least I'm going to share part of it because my time here is running. Bill Davidson sent me another set of words of wisdom called greatness defined. Now, we all have our definition of greatness, but how does the world define true greatness? One way is by a person's talent and abilities. Uh, another way is by one's greatest accomplishments. Looking back at historical accomplishments, 
like George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, Alexander Graham Bell, and those, they made a great impact on America, and they were monumental. Others think greatness is really all about power. And who's the big enchilada when it comes to power? It's the President of the United States. We're talking about the most powerful position in the world. It's the President of the United States. Similarly, some people define greatness by how quickly someone climbs the ladder of a large corporation. Who has the biggest staff, the most prestigious title, and makes the most money? So, what does it really mean to be truly great? It's always been my experience that those who displayed greatness, the best had a servant mentality. A servant mentality. Really? How can you be considered great and be a servant at the same time? Unfortunately, much of the world has the wrong definition of what greatness really is. The Bible defines true greatness as being a servant. Isn't it extraordinary when a leader is a true servant of those who they are called to lead? Think about it in this way. Have you ever had a boss in the past that cares so much about your suggest, cared so much for you as a person that you didn't want to work for anybody else? Yeah, I've had a couple of bosses like that. That boss or those bosses were being a servant. To care and to show love is what greatness is all about. At the end of the day, greatness is what separates leaders from managers. It shows the qualities a person is made of. It shows the principle a person believes and lives by. It shows the will to win, to never give up, and to initiate or the given the initiative to go that extra mile. It simply shows you what you truly are made of. Greatness resides in each of us. We just have to find it. So, ladies and gentlemen, how do you define greatness? Think about some of the words I've told you. This is Leonard Birdsong, and I'm on Leonard Birdsong Radio. I'm here on Thursdays from 1 p.m. to 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Now, I have a little more time in this segment. I'm going to start with some of the news tidbits that I've been gathering. These are many stories from the Associated Press that are in the public domain now. The first one has a nice little headline. It says, Death Squads Rattle Snakes. Death Squads Rattle Snakes. Hunters have killed 500 Burmese pythons during an elimination program in the Florida Everglades. Officials overseeing the program tell news outlets that Miami snake hunter Jason Leon killed the 500th python, a seven-footer, last Thursday. It was his second kill since the Python Elimination Program began on March 25th. The South Florida Water Management District hired the snake hunters at a rate of $8.10 an hour, plus a bonus based on the size of each python slain. The snakes are decimating native mammal populations, researchers said. We've got to get them out. Pythons weren't native to Florida but people probably had pets and let them out, and they started breeding and running wild in the Everglades. So every year here in Florida, they have a snake elimination program. Here's another little story out of Florida. 
A heroic Florida police officer rescued a couple from their burning car by opening fire on it. Off-duty Manatee County Sheriff's Deputy Willie Finkley, driving on by on his motorcycle, saw Neil Cook, 64, and his wife, Claudia, 65, trapped when their electric car windows did not operate and the power locks wouldn't work. So the officer shot out a back window and pulled the couple to safety, according to authorities. A burning car with the electrical system off, a death trap. All right, let's see. You want to go to Alaska? Well, in Anchorage, if you feed the meter, you also feed the poor. It's reported from now through September 15, 2017, motorists who get parking tickets in Anchorage, Alaska, can pay them off in donations to a local food bank. Quote, I thought this was a great thing to do, end quote, said Katie Schronvetter, who wiped out $95 in tickets with three cases of top ramen and canned soups. She got out of $95 of parking tickets. Sort of a funny little story, but true. All right, this is Leonard Birdsong. I'm going to take another pause here. I've come back. I've got some more <clears throat> news tidbits and some riddles for you, so stick with me. Consumer Debt Counselors is the company that will help you get out of debt. Consumer Debt Counselors is a licensed, accredited nonprofit agency that specializes in educating people about credit and debt and helping people resolve issues with debt, even student loan debt. There are so many federal regulations. Most people have more options than they realize, and Consumer Debt Counselors can uncover all of your eligible solutions, including lowering your payment or getting out of default. If you want a partner that will work with you to achieve financial success, talk to the team at Consumer Debt Counselors. They have an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating, so these guys are the real deal. Your first consultation is free, and all sessions are kept confidential. Give them a call at 1-800-820-9232 or go to ConsumerDebtCounselors.org slash Birdsong. The number again is 800-820-9232. Are you considering law school? Then you probably have tons of questions about the application process, the admissions process, the benefits of a legal career, and what it takes to succeed in law school. You'll find the answers to these questions and more in Professor Birdsong's Law School Guide, Techniques for Choosing and Applying to Law School. Inside, you'll find helpful chapters on the history of the lawyer, why you should apply to law school, things you need to know about applying, and more. You have the ability and the drive. Now, get the advice that will guide you into the legal profession by helping you successfully submit your application to the law school of your choice. Professor Birdsong's award-winning Law School Guide, Techniques for Choosing and Applying to Law School. Available for purchase on Amazon.com or through the author link at LeonardBirdsong.com. You're listening to Leonard Birdsong Radio on TalkZone.com. Here's Professor Birdsong. Birdsong. 
Yes, I'm back with you. You've heard some words of wisdom from me. You've heard about some inventions that help shape our modern economy. Now I'm doing some news tidbits that I want you to know about. I've got a few more before we end the show. Here's the first one. A feel-good story out of Toronto, Canada. A Toronto teenager was caught by Walmart security shoplifting a dress shirt, a tie, and socks, but walked out with his new outfit, <laughs> but walked out of the store with his new outfit thanks to the officer who came to arrest him. The 18-year-old told Constable Niran Jayason he needed the clothing for a job interview. The kind-hearted cop brought him, bought him the new duds, and then the team did get the job. How about that? <laughs> Chivalry is not dead at all. All right. Here's a little tidbit in the news that most people don't know about. I didn't know about this, but they say it's true. Children with no siblings, children with no siblings have a proclivity to cheat on their partners as adults, according to a new study. The adulterous dating site IllicitEncounters.com found that 34% of cheaters grew up as only children in their household. Huh. Oh, well, what can I say? Now, the headline on this one is a good one. Wiener hangs a bit longer. <laughs> Anthony Wiener has brought himself, or rather has bought himself some more time. Lawyers for the serial sexter and disgraced former congressman had asked Manhattan federal judge Denise Cote to push back his September 8th sentencing to October 6th, saying they needed more time to prepare a sentencing recommendation to the judge uh, to best arrest for his best address, rather, his continuing treatment. Cote partially granted the request last Friday, moving the date to September 25th. Wiener, 52, took a plea deal in May. We'll see if he gets any jail time. Headline again, Wiener hangs a bit longer. <laughs> oh, gosh. Let's see what else I have here. All right, here's one from New, from Las Vegas. The story says Nevada became the fifth state with stores legally selling marijuana for recreational purposes. Started two Saturdays ago. Uh, and now they're opening a market in Los Angeles that, I'm sorry, Las Vegas that's expected to outpace any other store thanks to the millions of tourists who flock to Sin City. People began purchasing marijuana at what's called the Ev Essence Cannabis Dispensary on the Las Vegas Strip shortly after midnight, just months after voters approved legalization, making or marking the fastest turnaround from the ballot box to retail sales in the country. Those 21 and older can buy up to an ounce of pot, at a time. Tourists are expected to make nearly two of every three recreational pot purchases in Nevada, but people can only use the drug in a private home. Marijuana remains illegal under federal law. Most of us know that. I don't use it. All right, here's a bad guy. The Grin Green Fee I'm sorry, the Grinfell Fire Faker. London police have arrested a man who claimed his family was killed 
in the Grenfell Tower fire that happened last month. He did this just to get money and free lodgings, say the officials. The 52-year-old suspect, whose name was not released, claimed that he lost his wife, son, and all his possessions in the Inferno, which claimed 79 lives, according to the British News. Police said they launched a probe because of inconsistencies in the man's account. He was arrested a few Wednesdays ago on suspicion of fraud and held at a West London police station. Well, he needed to be held at the police station. All right, I'm almost at the end of my news tidbits that I wanted to share with you. But here's one. And let's see. We like our style, says the headline. Short story. YouGov polled residents of America's 20 most populated metro areas and asked them to rank how fashionable people in their city are on a scale from very to not at all. New York came in first place with 60%, nope, 66% saying Big Apple residents are either very or somewhat fashionable. Miami, Fort Worth, nope, Miami, Fort Lauderdale, and Dallas, Fort Worth followed with 61%, and 56% of residents calling their people stylish at the bottom, at the bottom of the list sat my city, Orlando, Daytona Beach, Melbourne, 37%. (laughs) Well, you come here for vacation, not to be fashionable. Cleveland, only 30%. And Seattle, Tacoma, 30% on the best dressed. Well, folks, I don't know. I don't know. These news tidbits never stop. Some of them are interesting. Some of them are downright silly. Here's the last one. USA, hey, can we come, says the headline. Nearly 150 million people, that is 4% of the world's adult population, would move to the United States if they could. That figure is larger than the next four most popular destinations combined. If everyone who wanted to move to the United States had their way, the country's total population would increase by almost 50%. As many as 37 million people in Latin America would like to relocate to the United States, making it the region where such a move is most popular. Approximately one-third of all Dominicans and Hondurans want to come to the states and become Americans. All of this, according to a Gallup poll taken this month of August. Well, folks, those are the news tidbits I have for this week. I'm going to end the show with some riddles. Some of you like my riddles. Some of you don't, but they're funny. Here's the first one. If a clown opens a door for you, what do you say? If a clown opens a door for you, what do you say? You say, thanks for the nice jester. Thanks for the nice jester. Get it? A clown opened the door for you? All right, here's a very easy one. Very easy. I want you to think about it. What do ghosts serve for dessert? 
What do ghosts serve for dessert? Now think about it. This is not a hard one. What do ghosts serve for dessert? Well, you probably know ghost would serve ice cream. All right, folks. That, I thought those two were pretty funny, but I got more here. Maybe you've heard this. If the pilgrims were alive today, what would they be famous for? If the pilgrims were alive today, what would they be famous for? Well, they'd be famous for their age. Get it? <laughs> All right, here's another one. How do you keep a fish from smelling? How do you keep a fish from smelling? Well, you keep a fish from smelling by plugging its nose. How about that? <laughs> All right. Well, these riddles, there are riddles. People are making them up every day. I'm Leonard Birdsong. I don't make up riddles, but I do find and edit stories about dumb criminals. And I write about it and read them on my show here. If you want to read some of my dumb criminal stories for free, go to my blog, www.birdsongslaw.com, all one word, and you can read some of my stories for free. I'm with you here on Thursdays from 1 until 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I like having fun on the radio and talking to you about things that are on my mind or things that I know about. If you ever want to email me, my email address is lbirdsong22 at gmail.com. lbirdsong and the numerals 22 at gmail.com. It's been fun being with you today. I will be back with you next week. I hope you all have a good Labor Day. My wife's going to cook some barbecue, and I'm going to take a dip in the pool. So hang in there. And I hope things will get better for people down in the Houston and Louisiana area. There's a lot of water, 52 trillion gallons of water from the sky. See you next week, folks. This is Leonard Birdsong signing off.